podcast. This episode will look at space opera as a LARP. Um, many good LARP have been space opera expi- inspired, and I think uh, this will give us a good chance to talk to some players on their thoughts of the various space opera LARPs they have played in. There will be a fair number. Uh, there have been a fair number of these LARP, with Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars being the big inspirations. Uh, the monitor Celestra is one of the better-known examples of this genre of LARP. It had three runs in 2013 in Sweden, all played out on the Holland-class destroyer, uh, his Swedish Majesty ship Småland in Gothenburg, um, with an estimated budget of about 1 million Swedish kroner, or $182,990 today. It was an ambitious project which had over 300 players in a total of three runs. Another good example of this genre was Odysseus, which is a LARP that ran in Helsinki, Finland, inside a converted school in 2019. Uh, it too had a significant budget, clocking in at about 85,000 euro, or 72,547 today. Uh, also a fairly ambitious project, which had over 300 players in their three runs as well. Before we step into this topic, I'd like to take a moment to thank Feedspot, which is a blogging site for including From Adventure to Innkeeper in one of their top five LARP podcasts in 2021. Their list is a good one, and I can recommend all the podcasts on it, with, of course, a major bias toward this one, which came in at number four originally, and has since moved up to the number two spot. Their website is blogspot.feedspot.com, and the top five list can be found at blogspot blog.feedspot.com backslash LARP underscore podcasts. This show is for both new LARPers through to seasoned veterans, and we'll be implementing a scale to let you know the main focus of the episodes. Episodes will air every odd month, so January, March, May, July, September, November, and will be approximately one to two hours in length. Every episode is for everyone, but some will focus more on issues which will resonate more with one group or another. And as such, we have a scale which will tell you the focus of the topics, and possibly the depths of some of the various bogs and dungeons we'll wade into. The scale for this episode will be Adventure, as it it is aimed at those who play LARP, and it's aimed at pretty much everybody. We'll be covering some fun topics in this episode directly related to all players, and we'll look at the reasons space opera makes a good LARP for players, and even some designers, uh, not specifically the concepts of making a LARP. As this episode covers more player-directed topics than some of our other uh, previous episodes, I've arranged to have some guests help me via Zoom to discuss what their thoughts on developing, uh, and or actually more specifically playing, in a space opera LARP is like. So with me today via Zoom, I have Tom and Steph from the U.S. and Olivia from Austria. So thank you, Tom, Steph, and Olivia for joining me today. Uh, Before we begin an open discussion, let me first ask you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and your involvement in LARP. Um, So whichever one of you wishes to go first. Sure, I'll go ahead and speak. Uh, this is Tom calling from U.S. Um, uh, let's see. I guess I set the pace here. Um, <laughs> I'm. Uh, uh, let's see. I work as a uh, in as a consultant in uh, the biotech industry, and uh, I've been involved in role playing since you had to color the numbers in on the dice yourself. I, but but uh, my first kind of excursion into LARP was at a convention when I was in high school. We did like a sort of like a, uh, I guess you'd call it like a dark and stormy night LARP. Uh, They gave us our characters the day of the con and we just sort of had to work through it. And I think I died about halfway through. Um, And then uh, most of my experience has been around the tabletop Uh, and then uh, moving into a LARP with uh, the Outbound Hope LARP. I heard about it and it was in my neighborhood practically. And it was something that I thought would be really cool. And it turned out that it really was. Uh, 
guess that's enough about me. Excellent. Um, thank you for that. Um, Olivia? Uh, yes. Uh, hello. Uh, I'm Olivia from Austria. Uh, so in my uh, daily life, I'm a, a researcher in education and a teacher educator. Uh, and uh, that's what I work. Uh, but I also spend or, yeah, let's say I, I also spend a lot of time with LARPing, on LARPing, and sometimes also do that uh, in combination with my job. I've basically been LARPing for about 20 years, and I've also been designing LARPs for almost the same amount of time, um, starting out with uh, classic fantasy LARPs here in Austria, but uh, moving on to whatever kind of LARP. And uh, science fiction is definitely something where my heart goes to, although it's really difficult uh, to create, I think, but I don't want to go into that. So yeah, I do all kinds of LARPs, all kinds of settings, all kinds of genres. And uh, sometimes I even work a bit on edu LARPs when it comes to my job. Excellent, thank, thank you, you for that. And uh, Stephanie. Uh, hi, I'm Steph from the US, and I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons since 2012, and I've been LARPing since, I believe, 2016 or 17. Um, my first LARP was a gothic horror space opera, um, and I'm just excited to be here. Fantastic. Thank you all for the introductions. Um, so to ensure that we're all on the same page for the purposes of this conversation, I'm just going to briefly define what specifically we're talking about today for our listeners. So we will be discussing space opera as LARP. Um, space opera is defined as a novel, movie, or television program set in outer space, typically of a simplistic and melodramatic nature. Uh, per Wikipedia, it's the subgenre of science fiction that emphasizes space warfare with the use of melodramatic risk-taking space adventures, and chivalric romance. So now that we're hopefully all on the same page, I will open this up to my guests on Zoom so that we can begin delving deeper into this aspect of LARP. And um, I guess the first place to start is, what do you think of the definition? Well, Martin, you used some big words there. Uh, but... I guess I kind of think of space opera as sort of a soft sci-fi setting where the technology is more of a, of a fantastic nature, less practical. Um, kind of the difference between something like the early episodes of The Expanse and Star Wars, where Star Wars is clearly in the space opera category. I would even kind of put Star Trek into into space opera as a certain certain degree. Um, Absolutely, I would too. Yeah, um, I don't know about the chivalry. I mean, it depends what you mean by romance. If you're if you're talking about romances and you know the emotional aspects of being out in space, then yes, I don't necessarily think you need to have a you know romantic aspect of it. But I guess it does help. You need to have conflict somewhere, right? Uh, yeah. But I also just think like, you know, like you said, the the intense romanticizing of like the science we don't know, like the things we don't know and like extrapolating on the things that we do know to create those fictions. Like the, I, I don't know, even just the idea of like sliding doors not existing before, uh, like automatic sliding doors not existing before Star Trek like yeah. that, the idea that like oh yeah like wouldn't it be cool if this could happen with like technology and in some cases that you know influences real world developments which is really awesome but this this idea of like you know especially in space sci-fi um space operas or whatever um just the idea of oh man isn't it so cool like how much we don't know and just pretending that we do know just for a little bit just for a yeah. tiny little bit. <laughs> yes, and uh, I, I kind of also have the feeling, but um, I mean, that's not, not as a rule, but uh, for me, it feels that space operas often have, uh, or they go into a more utopian direction. Uh, 
uh, instead of a dystopian direction. Uh, but, the, but that's a, just a feeling, and I think it's not necessarily true, but all the, 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 the space operas I think of, they, they certainly had a, a utopian touch. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's fair. I mean, it, you know, it, it's... I'd say probably the one exception to a utopian touch is like is is essentially Battlestar Galactica, which never never really felt utopian to me. Um, Firefly, Firefly is clearly space opera, but yeah, yeah, you know, the aspect of the Alliance being this like big bad, you know, unpleasant place to live, at least out on the fringes. I think that's kind of dystopian, and, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd want to live in the Star Wars universe either. As cool as it is, you know, the the fact of this evil empire, you know, ruling everybody's lives, and you don't see a whole lot of economic success in the folks that are living in places like Tatooine. It seems pretty dystopian to me. Yeah, I agree. And also, like, I guess that's where like the chivalric essences come into space opera, where like even if there are dystopian like notes because like my first space opera larp was definitely a dystopia um mm -hmm. the but the whole point should be like this is wrong and the purpose of us being here is to not feed into it and, or to actively dismantle it and create something better like even star trek like came off like the whole setting it based on like it's based off like a whole bunch of fighting that happened and then we were like no we're tired of this this is stupid actually let's go into this age of like utopian exploration. Um, yeah. No, I think that, that yeah. those are all very good and fair ideas. And, and mm -hmm. you have effectively segued into my next question, uh, which is what space opera LARP have you been a part of? <laughs> uh, well, my first one was uh, Legends of the Stars. It was a three... 2.5 run LARP um, that, uh, you know, very S Star Wars inspired uh, gothic horror space sci-fi LARP um, that took place on, at first, the USS Massachusetts, and then took place on the USS Salem. Uh, so it was very fun to play around on a decommissioned naval ship and pretend to be in space. So, as I mentioned in the introduction, uh, I was a player for Outbound Hope, which was a space opera LARP that kind of takes elements, I think it's heavily influenced by Battlestar Galactica with a little bit of the Expanse thrown in. Um, it's its own unique setting. And uh, I don't know, kind of lost track of my train of thought there. Uh, but it was certainly, it, and it was set on a, uh, also set on a uh, decommissioned warship, in this case, the uh, USS Edson, which is uh, in Bay City, Michigan, and put on by uh, Quest Adventure Games. It was a lot of fun. Uh, very, very immersive. Oh, yeah. Super immersive. It sounds sounds really good. I'd I'd love to play a LARP on a uh, if I got it right on a on a ship, right? Yeah, it was mm -hmm. a war, the yeah. Massachusetts is a decommissioned World War well between the war battleships, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, the uh, Edson was a uh, Vietnam War era uh, destroyer, so a little bit smaller. Yep, and the Salem is the last surviving heavy cruiser, so right in between the two. <laughs> Right. All Sounds which, very cool. All of which are very hard to navigate at first, but once you get the gist of where everything is, it's so much fun to be like, oh my god, I need to go here right now. And then just be like rushing through the ships and you see everyone else you know, like trying to get to where they're going and you everyone has like that etiquette of like moving to the side to let other people through. And it's just, it, it adds to that level of aversion. It's really fun. Yep, up and forward to the starboard, down and aft to port. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, Olivia, we haven't heard from you as to what uh, oh, space opera yeah, sure. you've done. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just fascinated and thinking about dreaming off into the direction of being on a on a on a uh, on a battleship and uh, playing a sci-fi lark there. Uh, so, I've been on Odysseus uh, in Finland. Uh, I think it was in twenty nineteen. Hopefully, if I remember it correctly, or maybe 2018, I'm not sure, something like that, uh, which is, I would say, a space or which was a space opera LARP, very heavily inspired by uh, Battlestar Galactica. Galactica, the setting is, um, uh, it's, it's, it's in its own world, but it's, it's very similar to Battlestar, Battlestar <laughs> Galactica, and uh, it was I can only see one of the most uh, amazing LARPs or maybe even the most amazing LARP I have ever played because, wow, this LARP was so skillfully designed and brought to life. I, I can't even find words for, for this mastery of LARP design. Uh, I really see it that way. Uh, they, they took a school and... Uh, I think they, they, they took uh, some weeks uh, where the school wasn't used by children and, and built, re remodeled it, rebuilt it into a spaceship. So it really, really felt for me like walking through a spaceship. I, I couldn't tell that this was a school before. I really couldn't, not really, uh, because they redesigned every room. They had uh, um, a concept for lighting, a concept for background sounds. It it was most uh, um, and really the most amazing prop work. It was yeah, I was. Absolutely what kind of set astonished. design did they have to convert that to convert that over? I mean, because that's the major advantage of using a ship is it already kind of has that spaceship look, right? That that you know stark gray utilitarian. What did they do to dress up the set of the school? I mean, the school they used, uh, I think I would say it, it it doesn't look like your regular school. Um, it has a kind of futuristic uh, design, like using a lot of glass. So you have a lot of um, rooms where you, you can look into from the outside. And they used a lot of uh, props and equipment to, to, to I don't know, uh, give the room a, a wholly new uh, look. They constructed a lot of things like um, in the med bay, uh, um, a scanning bed something thingy and uh, they designed the bridge uh, which looked uh, kind of i don't know <laughs> how to say what it looked like it's a difficult because i can't see, uh, show you pictures you really should google it it was so amazing um yeah i can i can yeah i can speak a little bit to it as well because yeah odysseus was do it yeah because because odysseus was one of the Space opera LARPs that I participated in, with addition to Legend of the Stars, Outbound Hope, um, I've been trying to participate in Galaxy Awaits, which is a huge Star Wars LARP out on the Pacific Coast, but COVID has thrown wrenches in that multiple times. Um, although I finally designed a character. Woohoo! <laughs> Step one. Mm -hmm. Um and then there's some others coming up this year and next year. But but for the ones that I've done, um, I mean, Odysseus has the advantage of you could build the ship however you wanted to, and there were sort of no preconceived notions as to how the ship had to look, which made the school sort of an ideal setting. Um, the, you know, they, they did stuff like they built an entire science lab and they plopped that into part of what would have been the um, cafeteria for the school. Um, the cafeteria was used as the mess hall. Um, you know, one of the one of the gyms they turned into a shuttle bay, where they had. Um, I want to say it was like three or four shuttle shuttle cockpits that that you know the pilots could hop into, and then they were in a virtual environment where they were you know piloting the shuttles against the other ships. Um, they had a large landing craft that, that, you know, people could pile into. And then there was a little back door out of that, that put them in a van that had like sealed off windows. So they couldn't see outside that took them to, you know, where their away mission happened to be. Um, you know, the engine room was built up so that you had this gigantic thing that looked like a reactor in the back of the engine room. And it was in one of the classrooms. 
Um, yeah, I'm looking at the I'm on yeah. Google Images right now, and I'm seeing just the sheer amount of production put into this, yeah. and yeah. I'm absolutely blown away. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they, uh, they spent so the, much time building props. Yeah, and not only that, uh, I, if I remember it correctly, for example, uh, the, the, the lighting design mm -hmm. was, I think, a bachelor degree work, something like a bachelor thesis in, on a, in an artistic uh, college, university, something so that it was really something done by a specialist with a lot of work in over a longer period of time. Uh, it, it was really amazing. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the, incredible. Like the pieces that they use. So, for example, one of the engineering controls turns out to be a control rod simulator for like the physical Chernobyl power plant that somebody built. Oh wow! That's and you had so to, sick. and you had to like get all the control rods in the right position on this one panel before it would let you move on to the next panel to activate the engines. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. It, it, it was absolutely cool. <laughs> it, I think it really was probably <clears throat> the best LARP I've played in more than 20 years. So That's nuts. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, yeah. things, have, things have to have gone awful wrong if you're manually positioning control rods in a reactor. Just saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's the best part of LARP is that everything goes wrong, right? Right. Yep. But what I mean, what, I mean, so even even the the physical jumping into hyperspace, what they had was they had a they had four gigantic speakers in engineering. Um, I think if I remember correctly, one of them was aimed directly at the floor. I think the the subwoofer was aimed directly at the floor. Yeah. And yes. then they just played an E string on a bass guitar. Wow. And that was like cranked all the way up and that was the jump and you felt it through the entire school. Yeah. Everything was That's vibrating. Like yeah. Yeah. But I think That's also so cool, the, right? the, 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 the Yeah, but you know also the the the, the regular background uh, noise. You always heard the, the the machines in the background like like you heard the 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 the, the hyperspeed drive or I, I don't know if it was a hyperspeed uh, or something like that called like that but you could hear it all the time. Yeah. And it was it, it really became a part of your everyday life. It was so weird when they stopped playing uh their their, their background sounds uh, at the end of the larp because they, they just kept playing it the whole larp you had background sounds there was no single pause in it yeah it was we we did something similar so legend of the stars is is another one of those space opera larp and we've run different versions of it we've run versions for adults and we've run versions for kids and the last two that we ran for both kids and adults, one of the things that we had set up was we had speakers throughout the entire ship that were just running the the standard um, like Star Trek Enterprise engine noise, and that was all they ran. But it was constant throughout the entire ship, so you heard it pretty much everywhere except the sleeping quarters because I just couldn't get enough cable to pull speakers down there. So it, even then, like just the ambient sounds of being in a battleship, like yeah. was enough to sort of keep you in the zone. Um, yeah, it does so much for immersion, I think, to have really well developed uh, ambient sounds. Yeah, I think it, sound design is, is is vastly underestimated when it comes to realism. Yeah, yeah we actually had an entire episode on sound design. <laughs> just to get people to did you play plug. some did you play some from odysseus martin uh we actually did we played the theme song from odysseus and i had the guy that wow. and i had the guy that wrote that that wrote it originally on here so um cool so we, we 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 did do that because it was such a good it was such a good way to start and end the larp um mm -hmm. so it is you know i guess why why do you guys think that space opera works so well as a genre for larp Who doesn't want to live in a sci-fi universe, right? I mean, anybody who's a sci-fi fan, you know, I grew up watching Star Trek on reruns with, uh, you know, on UHF television in the U.S., right? And I cut my teeth on Star Wars, the earliest 
movie I remember watching in the theater is Empire Strikes Back. I have a distinct memory of looking at R2-D2 and C-3PO in Empire Strikes Back. And I've always wanted to live in that kind of a world. And I don't think there's any fan of science fiction except for 40K people because no one wants to live in the 40K universe. No. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't want to at least dip their toe in and put themselves in there. I mean, that element has been there with Star Trek fans, some of the earliest cosplayers in you know, ever were Star Trek fans at conventions. Uh, making their own making their own uniforms and putting themselves in in fan fiction people have wanted to live in these universes and space opera larp gives us the chance to do that now we don't often get a chance to play in the ip that we want to but a well-designed larp can pick up on those themes and let us step into that world even if it's only for a weekend and give us an amazing experience. Help us fill that fantasy of living in that world. Yeah, and I think it's a, a very, very human thing to, to dream of a better future. And of course, uh, as we discussed in the beginning, not every space opera LARP is a, a, a utopia. But um, I think uh, you, easily, you easily get the feeling that even if it's a dystopian setting with all that uh, evolved technology, evolved science, and, and maybe also evolved ethic principles, uh, which are certainly always around somewhere in those settings, um, you, you get the feeling that the, 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 the better, the bright future uh, is, is so, so close. You just, need to, you just need to catch it. It's almost there. And I think that's something people like to dream of. And, yeah, I think that's why it works well as a LARP, because we want to be there. We want to have that that future. I definitely, definitely agree. I uh, worked uh, for Legend of the Stars, which I was a, a player and a writer at. Um, the, la most, the last two we did were like these very heavy, um, like themes of like, you know, oppression, all the like all the dark stuff it was very much dystopia like it was very much like all the players were very much like had zero social capital and were basically like, in the third one they were basically all prisoners um and it was so interesting to see how this world that we set up to just be like brutal and you know because it was also like a, ho a horror game so there's you know just like all like these terrible things that have happened and also could happen um where all of these players decided that they wanted to just be radically kind and they were like no like this is like we say like this is the future this is can be what we want it to be like let's not fall into all of like these like old traps and let's strive to make something better and it it got me really, really emotional when i was npcing for it because uh you know, it's my job to sort of like really twist that knife. But the whole time they were like, no, man, we're going to do this. We're going to get out of this. And like, they still fell into like that classic space opera melodrama the whole time, but um, still kept that core, like striving for something more. And I just, oh, I love it so much. <laughs> I have to say that the funniest thing with that particular LARP was the difference between the adult game and the kids game. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the, the the so the adults came out of the game, essentially like meeting the goal of the the game itself. They came out of it with so the ship itself was a character, and they came out of it melding with the ship, and and everything went really well. And you know that they they exercised the demons on the ship, etc. And the kids were just like, "Nah, screw this." And wound up blowing up the entire ship at the end of the LARP. <laughs> yeah, definitely two different things. But the interesting thing is, is like the technically the adults did not meet the purpose of the game. Like, like the the way that it ended was not the way it was supposed to have gone. It was supposed to have a much darker ending. That's the but best because, kind of LARP. 
but because everyone was so like they were putting so much of their energy and like some characters sort of sacrificed themselves to like to help the ship that actively wanted to eat them um and that eventually we were just like all right well we have to you know pivot basically to be like to sort of you know have that interaction be rewarded and so basically they brought like the ship was like okay if you guys are all gonna help me get home i will take you guys home with me i guess um and it was i mean very stressful in the moment but seeing everyone's reactions to suddenly being at like you know the home of like the first like quote-unquote not source users force users uh it was just so incredibly rewarding like seeing that that struggle rewarded was really cool um even if it meant that we just were chucking pages out the window left and right I think some of the best LARP, though, is chucking pages out the window left and right and letting your players have the, the agency that they need to move on with, with things. Um, Absolutely. So I, Emergent gameplay is the best. Yeah. So, so I guess that, that, that leads to sort of another question. Um, I guess, first off, for space opera, how important is plot flexibility compared to something like, for example, a Regency LARP? Um, which would be like a Jane Austen-inspired LARP, where the storyline is generally somewhat more linear. I think that, like, with sci-fi and fantasy, in a world where basically anything can happen, you plan for what you can, but you just have to be ready to bend with the punches. <laughs> like, uh, and I mean, I'm sure, I don't, I don't know anything, I, can't, I do not have an inside eye into the Outbound Hope LARP at all. But um, there were definitely things that happened that players did that I was not expecting. And that's the same way that happened in Legend of the Stars. Um, like, in a world where, like, literally your imagination is the limit, you have to be ready to roll the punches. Yeah, I think I think a LARP, but I think that's true for every LARP, uh, to be honest. For me, it's difficult to say that there is a difference here to other LARP uh, genres. I think uh, it is a co-creative medium, so there is always uh, an influence from your players on, on what the result will be. And, you know, above that or besides that, it's always a design choice from you as a designer. Uh, how much uh, you want to wanna work with uh, freedom of, 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 of the player or agency of the players or freedom to which direction it goes, or if you have a stricter uh, tighter idea of what the story should be like. I'm, I mean, that's in your hand as a designer, and also I think both both is uh, legitimate if you um, communicate it before your LARP. You know that people know what they will, uh, what they can expect if 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 you if there will be a lot of player agency and a lot of uh, opportunity or chances to to steer the story to whatever uh, outcome, or if there is something like a set outcome. I think both is possible yeah so i think it's intrinsic to like what we talked about in the genre question right it's having that utopian aspiration and giving players the ability to feel like there are real stakes and that they can make a difference um going back to an ip like star wars we have endings like the original Star Wars movie where we blow up the Death Star and we win a medal at the end to Empire where our best friend has been captured by the bad guys, might be dead, and the bad guys are rolling all over everybody and we don't know where to go next. We have those two options, right? And we need to be, as players, I feel like we need to be able to feel like both are possibilities when we play. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, I think that's very fair. I mean, I've, I've played in, in an international blockbuster LARP that was 100% linear and where the players had very little to no agency, but the players didn't know that they had little to no agency until they tried to do something outside of their their characters like straight linear path and and it was probably one of the most annoying aspects of that entire larp 
and you know the the people running it ran into kind of a revolt from their players at the end of the day where half of us just said you know what if we have no agency we may as well just sit here and watch the story unfold yeah that doesn't even really sound like a larp to me martin uh, i mean that sounds that sounds like somebody cast a play and didn't tell the players pretty much that was kind of how it felt at the end of the yeah. day <laughs> yeah. i mean completely different medium right um yeah no exactly yeah. um but you know, it... the, the the word interactive is definitely a key word right. in all of LARP spaces. Like if you're like if your players can't act like, and I think the cool part about like I don't know if I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Uh, like and like you were saying, the fact that like the fact that Empire is possible makes you know New Hope and all of the all of the other things that come after that, where people you know fight back and they get to have that, you know, cool turning point moment of like, okay, we're going to struggle against this and we're going to win or we lose. And that's also an ending that's valid or whatever. Um, makes like, that's what makes like the sci-fi stuff really cool. Um, and I guess it just LARP in general, really cool. But um, just having known that, like, instead of like, you know, being cast to play without being told versus we got here because of the choices we made. This is the bed that we have to sleep in, good or bad. But I'm having a great time either way because we did this. Like this was right. this was it a, was it was my success or my failure. Yeah, not the failure written by the game runner. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, or you know, and I know I'm going to take flack for this, but you know, just as much, you know, in in the Last Jedi, when the crazy plan fails. Right, and yeah, everything comes I, squeezing mm -hmm. to a halt, and the mutiny is completely put down. And our heroes are like, "Wait a minute, this is not the way this is supposed to go." If you don't have that possibility, right? What does anything else mean? Yeah, and I mean, like in Legends of the Stars, there were a bunch of times where, you know, like the people lost, like they they played to lose, as you say and um or even like we're trying to win and lost and we're just like you know you got to throw yourself into the melodrama of the win or the loss right like when the mutiny gets crushed you have to sit there and be like oh my god i can't believe this happened in game well out of game you're like oh my god this is so freaking sick um like to have like the the play of power between like two diametrically opposed forces uh and being like, oh, cool, fuck, we didn't win, oops, or oh, yeah, we did win, uh, or oops, we lost, we lost this battle, but we're not going to win the war, kind of thing. Um, it's always cool to see the players react to that, and because like even in Outbound Hope, there was uh, there was a moment where we had lost like a bunch of ships in the fleet, and I just remember sitting there as like the press person, being like, oh my. God, how am I going to explain this to everybody? How am I going to write this? How am I going to tell people that we just lost like 10 ships, like 50 ships, however many ships? Um, oh, and yeah. it was just, it, but like that heavy feeling was so much fun to have in that moment. And then afterwards, when we did start finding other ships, it was so cool to like see how everyone was like, oh, okay, we're not going to die. <laughs> this is super cool. Um, it was, yeah. Yeah. I, think, I don't know. I, I think, think you meant. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Olivia. You haven't okay. spoken. Um, I think I think you mentioned something very important here. So when we talk about agency and and uh, what should be should be open to the players and not taken from them, I think uh, there is this opportunity to go for the drama, which is really really important in uh, in space operas. Like you have to 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 to, to give your your players always the opportunity to delve into into those dramatic moments and to maybe even create them and intensify them and also you know that you have and I think for those for the drama to really develop in a in a, in a, in, a, in an intense way you always have uh, to have um, how do I put it uh, players have to have the feeling that there are a lot of options how they get out of it and that there's not only one linear path I think mm -hmm. it's, it's connected to this to this drama that we need in space opera yeah i think yeah. drama comes from stakes right yeah I and mean, also just like the like you were like 
the the idea that because like if you're saying if you're just like hiking down like if you're walking down a hallway that's much less interesting than like exploring a maze or like hiking a mountain right like there's more paths you can take there's different ways you can go and you could end up in different places like walking down a hallway you're just like cool i'm just gonna this is boring i'm gonna get to the end the idea of like okay i'm at a crossroads here or like we as a group are at a crossroads here what are we gonna do leads to like interesting role play interesting decisions like leads to things that even the game runners might not have even thought of as an option which leads back into like the flexible gameplay thing but um yeah there's just so much more drama that can be had when you're not feeling railroaded um but yeah so so this this brings up an interesting question because uh you know player agency is obviously important um but and I shouldn't say but, I should say and, actually, technically. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. And. It depends upon, how, it, it just depends upon how you want to improv, Barton. Sometimes you need to guess about somebody. True, but in this case, it's a yes and question. <laughs> uh, so okay. so how important do you think venue is for space opera LARP? So in other words, we've, 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 we're, we've looked at a few here where, you know, we've done it on various naval vessels. If we look back historically, Monitor Celestra, which is one of the, the like, premier... Battlestar Galactica LARPs was done on a on a naval vessel, um, but then Odysseus, which I think both Olivia and I would agree is is certainly among the best LARP we've done, um, if if not, quite honestly, sort of the best for for very many reasons. Um, how important is venue? Because you know that 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 one was done in a school, which is completely different different feel in essence. Yeah, but but it was a a really uh, there was a lot of as we as we talked about there was a lot of work put into redesigning that school. I think one thing for, uh, uh, where where uh, venue plays a huge role is immersion. So venue always always helps with immersion, and if you don't have a good venue for your LARP, you have to put uh, a lot of effort into creating immersion in another way. So you will have to. Uh, look into sound design, you will have to look into preparatory workshops, you will have to look into uh, props or whatever. I think it is really, really, it comes down to, to the, the factor of immersion, if you, uh, which, which goes with the venue. You can do it without a good venue, I'm sure you can, but uh, I mean, uh, you already score very high on immersion if you have a good venue for your LARP. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think... I think, well, one, it depends on like the kind of story you're trying to tell. Uh, I think like having like the, like, cause obviously like not everyone has like the ability or the skill or the money to like redo, like I, I've never seen the Odysseus art before this. And just looking at that is just insane to me to think about how much that would cost to redo the entire school and have all those really cool props. Um, I think setting that expectation with your players beforehand of like how much immersion they can expect to be getting from like the world around them but also as a game runner being like all right here's a story i want to tell how can i best do this in whatever spaces that i have access to um and like for the legend of the stars sequel that never happened um we were planning on doing it on one of like the uh boston harbor islands with one of like like the old um what is the word uh like the revolutionary war bases on them or civil war bases i don't remember how old they are Fort whatever forts. they were yeah. Yeah. at the forts um that were like you know they're all crumbled in, in ruins which leads to a very like you know luke training ray kind of vibe rather than like you know we're on a spaceship kind of thing so um i mean as a game runner you basically just have to look at the space you have access to and the funds and the production value you have access to and be like all right what story can i tell with this and how much can i expect my players to sort of suspend their disbelief while they're here yeah i think as a player i mean the difference between tabletop and larp is that in larp i want to be transported i want to feel like i'm actually there and the setting becomes a character that me as a player plays off of 
And if you don't have that element, Steph, I think you made a really good point about looking at the venues you have and figuring out the kind of story you can tell. Um, but I don't think it's fair to players to ask them to mutually imagine a space. I don't think that works for LARP, at least not well, unless you have a certain kind of player. I mean, I'll, I'll take contrary opinions from more experienced LARPers than me, but I want to be transported. I want to feel like I'm in space or I want to feel like, you know, I, I want to feel like I'm in a foreign environment. Yeah, I agree. And especially for a sci-fi LARP, uh, it helps a lot, you know, on the first evening or not the first evening, when I arrived at the, the venue for uh, Odysseus, it was the night before the LARP and uh, I slept there at the, at the night before the LARP. And uh, we didn't do, I, I know we didn't go into character or anything. It was just off game time. And they took us on a tour through the ship. And we came to the, I, I mean, I was so much in awe only walking through the rooms and they took us to the bridge. And I remember that so well. And they said to me, okay, Olivia, do you want to sit in the captain's chair? Because I was going to play the captain of the Odysseus. And I was like, I walked up to the chair and sat down <laughs> and uh, everybody started laughing because, and they said to me, you should have seen your face because apparently I was I had an impression of happiness in my face <laughs> I don't know and I remember that moment I really felt so much I, I wasn't even in character but I felt like oh I was, I'm sitting down on my bridge of the spaceship wow and that was uh, because of the amazing venue because I was not in character I wasn't prepped or anything I wasn't in, in anything it was just the venue um, and I think that's something uh that's just really cool when you can have that. If you can't, of course, you can work around that. And it, I'm not saying a sci-fi LARP who doesn't have it is a bad LARP, not at all. Uh, but it does so much. So considering then the advances in technology that we've experienced, I mean, just in the last 10 to, I mean, 10 years, essentially, and the fact that a lot of these technology costs are, are coming down, um, do you think that something like, for example, Disney's Galactic Star Cruiser, which is in essence a LARP, I mean, you you, sh you show up, you get a character, you have a Star Wars plot that you run through, there are different avenues that your plot can take, you know, all in this sort of amazing high-tech setting. D do you think that that kind of... <coughs> that kind of thing will eventually work its way down into the into the everyday LARP that that we all enjoy? I cannot comment super much on the Star Wars Disney LARP because I have not been and I don't have that. I wish I had that kind of cash, but I don't. Um, I, I don't think any of us have. So I'm basing it mainly off of pic yeah. pictures and videos that, that hopefully we've seen. And I mean, I've heard like what people have had to say who have gone. Uh, it sounds like it's a little bit like um i mean it's basically like just Dis like disney world again where like you it's almost what is the word i'm looking for it is like the larp that you described where you are cast in a play and you have no agency over where the story goes um and i mean star wars is disney's thing now so they can set this very high price because no one like you literally cannot get a star wars tm larp anywhere else um good or bad um so they're allowed to set the price that high and that's fine and they have you know the asset of a bunch of really really good set designers and actors and sound designers so you can have that really immersive experience but at the end of the day you're just like a like basically a side character that gets to like sort of like explore and like be there for this cool story but you don't get to like do stuff from what I've heard um like you get to do enough that you might feel like oh I had like something to do with this but I f from what I've heard it's mainly just it's happening around you and you're just sort of like a side so piece. so I guess let, let me clarify the question a little bit because I'm I'm looking more for 
the quest the, the, from the perspective of you know some of the technology that they've been unveiling to use with this type of LARP. So in other words, if you look out the windows, you see space outside the windows. Um, uh. That type of technology is is currently somewhat expensive, but it is slowly coming down in price. Um, a lot of the audio technology that they use is now off the shelf stuff that you can go buy, you know, through through any any audio supplier. So I guess my question is more: Do you think that eventually those people running space opera LARP are going to take more and more advantage of these kind of technologies to make it more immersive for the players? I guess so. I, I mean, uh, which designer wouldn't use uh, the tools that are available to, to, to create a better experience? So I think yes, but it's still, you know, uh, a lot of LARP is, um, is done by uh, people putting a lot of voluntary uh, work into it, a lot of hours that aren't paid. So um, I think LARP, I mean, those uh, these uh, things being more becoming more and more available, they they will help. But yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, we still have the problem that LARP is uh, depends very much on, on on people working for free. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 not sure where I'm going. <laughs> I think <laughs> what I want to say is that I think it makes it more easily easy, it makes it more easy to 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 create sci-fi LARPs nowadays with all the the equipment available. But it still costs a lot, uh, and it's it's still a lot, uh, especially if you want to use those uh, this uh, this equipment. Uh, you still need to invest a lot. You you might have to rerun a LARP uh, a couple of times, or you have to run more than one LARP with it. And there might be people around with a lot of good ideas, but who just can't afford this, you know, to to mm -hmm. afford uh, to they can't afford the investment or something. Yeah, I'm thinking specifically about Outbound Hope, where uh, in the still to be deployed uh, season two, I've got my fingers crossed that they're going to actually go forward with this post COVID. Uh, but uh, they were partnering with uh, the Horizon Bridge Simulator folks and creating a unique uh, bridge simulator specifically for Outbound Hope. Uh, based upon this existing technology. I think, you know, being able to take stuff off the shelf and create high production values with it is it, it, it's part of that being transported thing. I think technology is just something that we're going to see more and more of. The ability to have like an app on, a on, a, on an iPad that lets you interact with the game world like the person in star trek with their with their actual pad right i mean being mm -hmm. able to to be that person simulate that experience is just one more thing that transports the players having a good bridge simulator that f simulates targets or that does that provides a environment or you know you, maybe you do put the big screens up i mean flat screen TVs are getting ridiculously cheap now and yeah, I think a good, I, uh, a good bridge simulator does a lot. Yeah. yeah. Especially since the outbound hope one was like, um, like there's the people on the bridge, there were the people in comms, and then there were the people in engineering, and like all of them were playing their own, like I say playing, they were using their own systems to make, to do their game basically. But those like, you know, engineering had to make enough power for the ship to go in whatever directions that the people steering the ship wanted to go it in and uh you know had to make sure like i remember being a fly on the wall in engineering while chief of engineering is basically yelling like you tell the bridge that if they shoot the railgun one more time i'm just turning it off no more energy allowed and it was like this really cool like back and forth of mm -hmm. like the interaction so but i think ultimately that you know as like the cool Disney stuff that they're doing comes down in price and becomes accessible to more people, the people who can afford it will obviously take advantage of it. Um, they'll use it, they'll make really cool immersive experiences, but like 
Legend of the Stars used like a PC as like a ghost computer that we just had like hooked up somewhere else, like in Monster Camp to like talking back to the person. And we used like tarps covered in fake blood. Like, yes, we were on like, you know, a heavy cruiser or a battleship, which lent to that level of version. But like the, the tools that we had to make it really immersive, like we're like ghillie suit foliage and fake blood tarps. And so uh, I think that the ingenuity of people doing a lot with a little will always sort of come through in the end. But I mean, obviously it'd be cool if everyone had access to make it look like space outside all the time. I think that would be really sick, obviously. So I do know that that for a matter of honor, which is running now in in tentatively April of twenty twenty three, um, we just need to is it yeah we just need to confirm with the ship. But okay, but, Martin, but, we're going to talk later about but that. Quest is but but <laughs> Quest is no longer running it, so it so so we are running it internally for 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 TRMN. Um, but we're opening it up to outside players, so. Uh, but I know that, for example, for that, we're working with the the Horizon Bridge Simulator, and they're they're still creating that that Honorverse simulator for that game um, to help make it more immersive in that universe. And I think that yeah, because it doesn't have the same feel, at least currently. Yeah. It's much more of a knife fight than... Uh... Yeah, well, and we're going to have to obviously compress some things because the way that battles happen in that particular universe, you know, you're, you're looking at like... What, you don't want the players waiting 20 minutes for a missile volley to get there? No, no, I, I, I'm sure that you all don't want to wait 20 minutes either. You'll happily wait like five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, five will still seem tense enough, for example. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, but so, so I guess that's sort of the other thing is that, you know, you have to kind of work with the technology that you have and you have to kind of work with the expectation of the players because, you know, um, if, if you set up a game where it's 100% hyper-realistic, you'll have players banging their heads against a wall. I mean, you know, if it takes, you know, 10 days to reach Earth from where you are, and your game is three days long, obviously you're not going to spend 10 days in hyperspace. But then again, I mean, I question your player's commitment. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think, you know, hyperrealism and space opera, they don't really go together. Yeah. I, for in, yeah. in, my, in my opinion. No. And, 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 yeah, and, no, and I no. agree. I think that that's, you know, it's a, it's a, you have to find a happy medium where everybody is. So I, I guess you can look at it two ways. I, I can look at it from a from a compromise method, where you can find a compromise where it meets everybody's needs but nobody's happy with it, or you can find a compromise where it doesn't quite meet everybody's needs but everybody's accepting of it. Well, I think part of that is in is in your world building, right? I mean, we earlier we were talking about how uh, space opera is almost defined by the fantastic technology that, for lack of a better term, works at the speed of plot, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you build your world such that it doesn't take 10 days to get to Earth, right? The propulsion technology that you've created for your world lets you get there in hours instead, or even 15 minutes, right? If you're stepping through a gate, or something like that you know you can you can when you when you do your world building you can create that i think it's different when you're dealing with somebody else's ip like with matter of honor where there's stuff that's already been established that it takes 20 minutes for a missile volley to get yeah. there yeah so you know in, in in those cases where you're dealing with stuff like that you have to you have to make compromises you have to compress things down a little bit um you know but there's there's going to be ways that we do subtle nods and hints to that universe without actually necessarily tying the players up in you know the the hyper realism that was written into it i mean a, a great example of that is going to be you know communications with planets you know when you enter a planetary mm -hmm. system you know technically depending on the distance you are from the planet there's a there's a time delay in communications so we might play with that a little bit just to make it seem sort of you know interesting or funny depending on how we want to, you know, twist it. 
but we're not going to obviously have every single communication be, oh my God, I just sent a message and it's going to take 20 minutes for a message to get back to me. What do I do for the next 20 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because at that point you basically have to gamify the IP just a little bit to make yeah. it palatable just to even be in. Um, especially when you're there for a weekend or a day or whatever. Yeah. So we're slowly, slowly coming toward the end here. So I'm going to ask the last question that I ask pretty much of, of every uh, interview panel, which is assuming that it runs. Cause obviously with COVID being what it is and with the world currently being, you know, still nuts. Um, what's the next for each of you with LARP? Uh, it, Hold on, I'm let me see my GCAL. Um, I'm looking at doing. Uh, I guess it's not really. A, it's a mega game, not a LARP. But uh, I'm looking at once again stepping into the outbound hope universe and doing their uh, windfall war mega game in. I guess it's October. Uh, I feel safe enough planning that out. I think. COVID's probably going to be gone at that point. Well, wishful thinking, right? It's probably going to be endemic by that point, which is which is a different breed yeah. than what it currently is. But yeah. That's what I mean by gone. <laughs> the best, the best uh, we get, at least. Yeah, for me, um, unfortunately, I think I don't have any uh, sci-fi LARP on my list. Uh, just, just any. There just are any LARP in general. Yeah. yeah, any LARP in general. Uh, I think my next LARP is something like in May. I hope it will it it it, it will take place, but I'm yeah I'm positive about that. So uh, it will be a fantasy LARP, or actually not a, uh, well, it's, it's, it's a, you all know his dark materials, yeah. right? <gasps> uh, yes. So, yeah, it will be a LARP in that setting by uh, my awesome friend, uh, Katrine Wind from uh, Denmark. So That's so uh, sick. Yes, I'm still looking forward to playing that. Uh, so I really, uh, I will be so mad at COVID if, if it keeps me from playing that, yeah. I'll be mad for you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my next LARP is a fantasy LARP called Avarice, which is a, uh, American take, uh, the startup, well, not startup, it's recently begun. It, uh, is basically American take on like a Beakaline-esque game. And then in June, I got Starfall Academy, baby. Nice. <laughs> so I to go play as a as a little guardian in space yeah i'm a bit a bit jealous of you u.s americans because you have so many cypher larps that you can go to and we don't have that many here in europe but i will oh i forgot i will be at a cypher larp this year there is a huge one in spain um by my friends from not only larp uh, they are doing a mission together uh in in spain in uh july no august it's august and i'm also looking forward to that Nice. I think that. Wait, what is it called? Uh, it is called Mission Together, and uh, it's basically set in a world where there are three planets. Uh, I hope I get it right at the moment because I'm not really in in, in uh, into info material right now. I have uh, I don't have it present because it got postponed two times uh, because it was oh, set yeah. like in 2020, I think. Uh, and uh, it's it's a post-war scenario where one world won and the other two worlds lost. And it's about a mission of those three planets together. And it deals a lot with, I think, uh, the social dimension of this, um, of this scenario. But in space, and that's good. I love space. I just Googled it and it looks mad cool. Yeah. I think, I mean, if you, if you want to fly over to Europe, I think they are actually looking for some players to fill in because, you know, a few people had to drop out because to the, due to the postponing staff and yeah. yeah. So there might be spots. Mm -hmm. Don't tempt well, me. And uh, Admiral, I will definitely be there with bells on for Matter of Honor. <laughs> well, I think the next one for me before Matter of Honor is actually going to be... Um... Um, Starfall Academy. 
Um, that's that's the next one that's on my books, and I'm looking forward to that because it's it's you know it's also space opera and sort of Star Warsy kind of thing. But then yeah, after that it's going to be Matter of Honor. We're we're going to start the heavy lifting and planning for that one coming up, uh, probably starting later this month, to be honest. So. But um, cool. I think this has been an excellent discussion, and, and I would love to continue this for, for hours, but unfortunately our time is coming to a close. Uh, so I would like to thank Tom, Steph, and Olivia for joining us today. So thank you all. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for the invitation. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, Mark. Um, not a problem at all. Um, thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of From Adventure to Innkeeper, a podcast for all LARPers. Uh, our next episode, which will release around May uh, 28th, and will be the third episode of our third season, is going to be looking at characters in LARP. This topic will cover how mm -hmm. characters are created in LARP and how the players make them their own in LARP in general. Uh, so again, I'd like to thank my guests for joining us uh, live on the show. I'm your host, Martin. Thank you for listening. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Mal Books. Additionally, we'd like to thank Lex Media for the use of their Fred Rothmel Memorial Podcast Studio. And I would again like to thank Feedspot uh, for our inclusion on the top five LARP podcasts of 2021. Uh, please check out all of their links on our website at adventurertoinkeeper.com.